Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into our podcast, but we know you may have an idea for your own podcast and that's why we are recommending you go get Anchor. Mm-hmm. You can create your own podcast and then like maybe have us on as guests. You should definitely have us on. For oh, we're, we're, I just checked our calendar. We're busy, Ooh. Oh, but we're available on this day. We can pencil okay, we'll you be, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're we in. can do it. Okay, we, we it. said yes. Forget it. I don't like your ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anchor is the system we use and it's got a lot of cool tools. You can actually, it's kind of a one-stop shop place where you can go, you can record, edit everything, even implement songs from Spotify into your podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it the most, to be honest, is that it makes us money and I love money. And it also is free, which is kind of like, you know, you save money. It's like I think that's the biggest money. thing is like it's free. So you don't have to worry about like paying any kind of fee or signing up for thing. And they do everything for you. So... You can go there. They will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other places your family are going to ignore you on. So uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started for free. Mm-hmm. Did we mention it's free? Free and you make money. You're going to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Your family will ignore you. That's we're, true. It cuts to the core. We're not, we're not going to be on your podcast. Come on, kids, now gather round. Grab along and sit right down. What's that smell? What's that sound? You're on fire, now hit the ground. It's the campfire shit show. And now, your camp counselors, Bo Hufford and Mero Climo. Okay, so... Going into this episode. Let me pretend to pull up his LinkedIn like I don't have it already on my phone. Uh, we've got a guest today, and I just want to say that Meryl has built it up quite a bit because this is an ongoing thing. When she was taking a class up in L.A. for screenwriting, is that correct? Sitcom, Sitcom writing. Sitcom yep. writing. Uh, she took the class with this guy whose yes. name is? Jeremy Christian. And Jeremy Christian is one of the comedy writers on... Nick Cannon's Wild and Out on yep. MTV, right? R- writer and creative consultant. He also is an improv uh, performer and producer and stand-up comic. Yeah, and even beyond all of those accolades, uh, the thing that Meryl said and couldn't stop saying is like, holy fuck, he's the most gorgeous man. He's really, really good looking. So we're walking into this He's my pal. He's my pal. Oh, he's your pal? He's my, he, he, he's he, my pal. He's your big pal? Yeah. Okay. I, I friend zoned him. I was like, Jeremy, please, we have to take this to a professional <laughs> level. I know. Uh, I'm just like sitting here with all my leg hair and my sneakers just, and stuff like that. I mean, like I'm so that. interested because like uh, to talk to somebody who's a comedy writer on any show yeah. that's, that's a legitimate show, it, it's... It's very interesting to hear the insides and outs of the whole thing. But you're like, no, but he's just really, really hot. Right. I was like, wait till you see these biceps. Like, he yeah. is very accomplished and he's great at manifesting and keeping his mind sharp. But, like, wait till you see those <laughs> triceps. <laughs> uh, well, let's get in. I want to meet this guy. Yay. Uh, so You'll stay, love him. He's great. Let's get in the sleeping bag with our good friend eventually, yeah, I'm sure. My bud. Our, our, our friendship, like, you know, what'd you say? Oh, our friend zoned man yeah. of the hour. Yep. Jeremy Christian. Okay, cool. I really love that there's a a hot buttered popcorn. Hot butter. I like butter, the idea. Baby. I like the idea that like that's their artwork, right? It's like this obviously Wait, like created for this room only almost thing. Like do you have a home theater? We've got the art for you. Yeah, I'm hot butter popcorn verified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm verified popcorn. You're the, what, is, what is that called when they have like uh, the popcorn 
uh, that's like white and chocolate, white chocolate the, and dark chocolate. Like, and they throw it in that. They call it a certain thing. It's like monster. It's like jungle fever popcorn. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> this is the interracial popcorn. <laughs> Interracial popcorn. Interracial. Oh, oh, it is an Aryan Nation popcorn. <laughs> That's just regular popcorn. Just took it to the next, the next level. Yeah, you got some Aryan Nation popcorn. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Where did we just you know. see some Aryan Nation babies? Oh, oh no, God. we were watching. We just a, went to Margaritaville. Doc- oh yeah. What, what is that? Margaritaville. It's like Jimmy Buffett's restaurant. So we we went to Universal City Walk. Okay. Just to kill some time. Okay. <laughs> we'll walk around. They're like, oh, it, uh, parking is twenty five dollars for one hour. Or yeah, if you go to a restaurant and get a drink or something, they'll yeah. validate it. It only costs $7. So we get in. I'm like, okay, there's bubba gum shrimp. Oh, my God, no. Yeah, uh, all these things. I'm like, Let's just get a drink at Margaritaville, which is the best of the worst like, you know, options yes. we had. We go in, and they have this video playing of like, paradise. Mm-hmm. You're at the beach, and it's like old white men who clearly own yachts, or you think they do, and they got their yeah. baseball cap through longer white hair like tufting out from the behind of it and then it showed these three kids on bikes and all of them had like super white hair and i was like they look like village of the damned like you know that movie where they just have no eyes or something and and we were both like notice there are no mexican or black people in this video (laughs) it's pretty bad they're all like hanging out cars like hey paradise yeah yeah it's like life is perfect when there's no jungle fever popcorn or whatever it's called but are they verified though yeah (laughs) oh my gosh okay wait so i don't even ask are you verified not Fuck no. No? Really? If you're not verified, how, how, how can I expect to be verified? So verified is what, on Instagram or Facebook? Both. Oh, okay. I think, that, I think what? don't you get a chip, uh, like a blue check yeah. or something on Facebook? I wa- Jamie, Twitter, I want to go Twitter like- for sure. Twitter and uh, Instagram for sure. Okay. I'm verifying There's you a as a human right now. I think you are. I'm in this bitch. Yeah, you're a very verifiable <laughs> human being. I don't really know what that means when we're talking about just like talking. Like, I'm in this bitch. Can I'm you, in can this you bitch. teach me? What does that mean? <laughs> like, you not know? Like, that sounds like something you'd walk in and uh, have some like strange man with your mom. Really? And he looks over at you and is like, get out of here. I'm in this bitch. You know, that's funny though because like I was rapping before, right? So, like, those, that was my career beforehand. So, I'm always listening for double entendres. Mm. So, I heard, I forget, I can't, I think the rapper Fabulous said this in the song. He was like, I'm in this bitch like a pregnant, <laughs> pregnant lady. Like, what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, Fabulous. <laughs> I didn't know how to take this. I was like, wait a minute. So, you're going around and screwing, uh, Pregnant women, and then and, and then he becomes the embryo inside of them. Oh my god! Like I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I feel like <laughs> I, w- I feel like you might be the only person that's quoting fabulous. Like this, I this was just going to say the same thing. Really? I, was like, I was like, wow, you're quoting fabulous <laughs> or fabulous, fabulous. He spells his name. He doesn't yeah. spell his name the way he's supposed to spell. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wait. There's so many Jeremy questions. I I mean Jeremy Gumbo Christian. That's right. Let's go. Questions I have. Okay. First. Are you? Do you live in? Are you from New Orleans? Did you live in New Orleans? Lived in New Orleans, born in Monroe, Louisiana, and then um, moved to New Orleans. I, I, I moved back and forth, you know, both between cities. I lived in Houston, Texas, too. And Dallas. Yeah. that's a tough city. Houston, not well, a lot going on there. Yeah, I don't really remember much of it because I was really young, but I visited as a you know older. Um, but yeah, so I spent time back and forth in New Orleans. Okay, stuff. what's yeah. n- what's living in New Orleans like? Because I visited, but what's like being a, a local there? Uh, you know what's funny? Like, it's kind of like people here. Like, we didn't really experience a lot of the touristy type stuff. Yeah. You know? But everywhere we go, people always act like food. Like, food is like a thing that you take with you wherever Mm -hmm. you go. So, if you go to different cities, your palate is kind of like set and prepared. And it's going to let either the restaurant owner or... 
you know, the waitresses. Is re- it was really hard for me to kind of come here in L.A. Really? Like, to eat here. Uh-huh. Because every time I would taste food, I'd be like, yeah, this is okay. People are like, are you serious? This is the best fucking hot dogs in, in, in town. <laughs> Pink's hot dogs. Like <laughs> yeah, Pink's hot dog. So, I mean, so food is a big thing. Um, and, of course, like like jazz, like music. Yes. Music is huge, like, in New Orleans. Louisiana as a whole, you know. And if you've ever, like, gone to, like, Alabama. Have you been to Alabama, Mississippi? No. I've, I've been. I've been to Shreveport, Louisiana as yeah. well, which is awful. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I've been to Alabama. Oh, don't be so Aryan. I'm sorry. Sorry. Man, stop, man. Just that's the, the only place, hair, I, it's the only place I've been. Don't do that. I'm Jewish. He's doing hand motions. <laughs> this is straight blunt, man. <laughs> <laughs> Got my blue check. <laughs> Fist in the air, baby. Um, no, but it, it's 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 kind of weird because you could go and live in, a, um, in Atlanta and you would assume that just a couple of states over that it's kind of similar to South. No, New Orleans right. is very different. Right. It's yeah. very different. And just historically, like way back in the day when all of like, you know, Italians came and moved there, um, Sp- uh, Spanish, the Spain, uh, Spaniards, they came and moved there. And a lot of the ports, like people brought all of their, um, their culture, go- their culture and, and so their cool. goods and stuff. So there's still like little Italy that's there. Like, you know, so it's a lot of culture that, mm-hmm. that, that's there in that city. So, but I think, um, when people are kind of stuck in their own bubble, you kind of have to, I, I had to like leave Louisiana um, and come back to really like know like what was actually there. Right. You know? So I was just going to ask you uh, if there is that section, you know, a lot of cities have little Italy's or little, you know, Tokyo's or mm-hmm. Chinatown yeah. in where you're from. Is it like those pockets are kind of against each other? Is there that that aggression towards each other, or is it kind of like, "Hey, are you? I'm me. Let's do this together." Um, no, <laughs> and yes, <laughs> because because I think um I think in, especially like in the like the 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 urban areas that you don't have as many resources. There's always gonna be like you're always gonna be at odds, mm. and that's anywhere you know. Yeah. Um. If Did you grow up like kind of not economically challenged, but in your bio, as, as I was stalking, I mean, yeah. researching you, I read that, you know, that you kind of had to make it on your own. And well, I mean, make it on my own in a sense where like uh, like my, I had good parents. Yeah. You know, my mom and my dad, you know, they divorced. Um, I mean, that's a that's a whole whirlwind of like shit right there. But I had a good village. Mm-hmm. I had a good village of family members. But. Inside your home, you have to respect, you know, grandma. You got to respect mom. But on the outside, that's where most of your influence comes from. You know, especially when you start getting older, you know, you um you see what other kids are doing. You see yeah. kids are you see kids that are wearing certain things and stuff, and you're like, well, this is what success is. Oh yeah. You know. Yes, I used my friends used to have like the three stripes on the gazelles, and my mom would buy me the four stripes, mm-hmm. and I would try to go with like a marker and, <laughs> and like black it out and be like, "What? I have three stripes, and my other stripe is like running down my leg." Yeah, my mama would tear my ass up. If she... Really? <laughs> yeah, trying to put some uh, white Nike checks on some. Uh, I was gonna say so, like, Kilo meals. Because what was that for you? For me, it was um, like people with Air Jordans and like Gap bags, like girls that in eighth grade that walked around with Gap bags. I was like, those are like the rich girls, and I like I would beg my mom to just buy me a Gap bag, and I would put my like Kmart clothes <laughs> yeah. inside of it just so I could see. Man, but then- listen, we used to be very like we were really creative with shit. We would get white T-shirts 
And then we would go to Michael's and put like FUBU on that. Shit. <laughs> See, you <laughs> were printing. Your, that's what that's what he did, right? He kind of did that to pretty a certain much, extent. Yeah, pretty much. But but it was kind of like, but, but they knew. They were like, okay, <laughs> real creative over there. It's like you you spelled FUBU wrong, but <laughs> you're, you're close. Like you got an Ubuff shirt on. <laughs> that's really U- funny. Ubuff. <laughs> Boy, uh, you didn't look in the mirror when you did. <laughs> um, but no, but um, yeah, um, as far as like having to uh, fend for yourself, it's like I had a roof over my head. Yeah. I've always had food. The necessities. I've always, of, yep. I've always had. And now there were times and stuff where it was like you didn't really know what the situation was because, you know, I think as parents are supposed to, you kind of keep these those things away from your kids and you know what I mean, right? But right. I didn't know protect that. them from the reality. You of the, protect it's them from really tough. Good yeah. parents do that, you know. Yeah. I think some parents are like, ah, we're fucked. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But there were times and stuff like when it would get really stressed because there was a period where I was staying with my grandmother and I wasn't living with uh, my mom or my dad, and we had like a whole bunch of cousins and and, and siblings that were all in there at once. And it could get. I can imagine. I got. I got a daughter, so I know that with that with my one daughter, I can imagine with eight kids in there, yeah. it get crazy. So there were times and shit when my grandma was like, "We eat spaghetti for the whole week, and don't nobody <laughs> better not say nothing." <laughs> like she would let us know because that's all we got. Really? Yeah. But grandma, no sauce. It's no like sauce. no straight noodle, Burger King sauce. I'm not even gonna boil this. <laughs> Raymond noodles. It's a Raymond noodles. Oh, see, that sounds really good to me. Actually, I love. I, like I, love, Raymond Raymond. I love that you say Raymond too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I have to yeah. take it all wrong. Yeah. And then in college, it seems like, from my knowledge, you were you did so much. It was like track and <laughs> field, Big Brother, like all these, <laughs> like NAACP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You I were, like, have a question. College. We, we saw that you were uh, part of the Big Brothers Big Sisters program, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I did that as well, and it oh, was big brother, big yeah, I was the big brother, and yeah. were uh, you the one that got the big brother? <laughs> no. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> were you his big brother? <laughs> and I just well, wanted to say, I've been looking for you for twenty years. <laughs> Why did you never pick me up that day? I found no. you. I thought I saw you at Universal no. Studios. <laughs> <laughs> I waited at valet. You never came. Um, no. <laughs> I did it, and it they paired me. And I, I was in Ohio. Not a lot of kids in this program where I was. And and I'm nerdy, kind of artsy. If you, I hate that word, but I just used <laughs> it. Fuck. He's not gay. Uh, everything, like just like creative-wise, right? And then yeah. they paired me with this kid who's like, I like hunting and four-wheelers. And I was like, <laughs> okay, let's try to do this. We had nothing in common. This kid hated my guts. He's like, you're gay. Like, he used to say that to me. I'm like, all right, this is, isn't working. Up. And I told them, and it, it just ended. I was just like, I, I don't want to do this. That's really funny. I don't hated do this your little brother. Can you, can you pair me with another person? It's like, it's pretty bad when, like, you join a program to help a kid, and then the kid annoys the shit out of you. You're like, I get it. Now I know why your dad left. He takes you hunting and, like, yeah. trying to kill you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm not going anywhere with this fucking kid. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like you got sentenced. Yeah. And then yes, that's just like community and service. Then, no, in jail. Like, oh. like this is your cellmate. Like, so what do you like to do? I like fucking hunting. <laughs> uh, I eat metal. Uh, <laughs> uh, ate a baby last week. What about you? I mean, uh, Big Brother's program did pay me in cigarettes, so that makes sense. That makes sense. Oh, shit. So what was that program like for you? Well, I mean, I did the Big Brother program in, in college. Okay. Um, I was a Big Brother. You know, I wasn't like a little brother, but I, I I did do some of those things. Like I don't think it was called Big Brother program though. We did like a lot of like rec, uh, center local to keep okay, kids out yeah, of trouble yeah. stuff yeah. like that. So we had like kids that were kind of like uh, 
maybe came from college that were like basketball phenoms or whatever or yeah. just you know regular working with kids uh working with kids after school yeah yeah stuff Give like them. that but um like in in college i went to college at clark atlanta university in atlanta georgia and um it's a historically black college and hbcu so um it was kind of in like the uh pretty much it was like right next to like the projects Really? Yeah, it was right next to the projects. Great school, but it was right next to the projects and stuff. Now I wouldn't say it was like any other like uh, other projects that I've like been to. Uh-huh. It wasn't as it wasn't like really bad like that. They had pretty good protection, like you know security. But it's always some shit that was happening. But there were a lot of kids that would come on campus and stuff. Mm. So I was very involved in school, and I connected with the Big Brother um, program, um, Big Brother Little Brother program, and um, those kids. Uh, I kind of kind of raised them in a sense. Even though we were kind of close in age, I was like 18, 19 years old. These kids were like 14, 15. Yeah. I was just trying to connect with that kid that I was when yeah. I when, when I was younger, you know. Them kids were bad as hell though. They were bad. And most of them were from the projects <laughs> right by? Is that like Most of them were because it was kind of like, you know, trying to have like a, a outreach. Yeah. And, and 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 the thing is if the if the school is if the college is right next to you, then there should be more you know, connecting with those kids. And, yes, you know, and maybe they could even, like, aspire to be like, I'd love to go to that college one day, and how do I do that? Yeah, and but it goes, but it also goes back to, like, where you're asking me about being in Louisiana and what is it like there. You don't really know what you have until you leave and come back. See, yeah. a lot of those kids grew up with the college right next to them, but it was like they wake up and they saw that. That's true. So it might have been like a reminder for them that, well, I look at my situation. I'll never be. Uh, I can never get to that. I like, can never get to that. And that's it, those and it's, people and it's over like there. right here. Yeah. It's literally right there. Kids walking past the projects to go to a class, to go to gyms down mm-hmm. the street. You really? Know, on Fair Street in, you know, in, in Atlanta. And to me, I kind of connected with those kids because, you know, we go play basketball. Those kids would go to the basketball court and, you know, hanging at the gate and stuff. And like, I want to play. I want to. Really? Yeah. Do, you know, stuff like that. But obviously, when you're a college student, you kind of like you're trying to stay focused on your thing. Yeah. You know, which is your grades. Yeah. And, you know, you want to party and shit. So most kids at 18, 19 years old, they're not thinking like, hmm, let me stop what I'm doing, you know, and try to. F- you know, reach back to this kid and try to figure out how could I connect with them. It's got to be so hard. It's, it's got to be so hard to like take yourself out of the, the part of where you're trying to better yourself and think that this could be a stepping stone of how you can get involved. In the, but knowing that you're on your own trajectory. Yeah. Trying to get to where you're going. And this is just a stepping stone a little bit. Um, that's got to be tough to know that some of those kids aren't going to make it out. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, I mean that's just a fact. It's it's, it's not it's, a yeah. They're not gonna make it out. But I'm kind of like, uh, and I think a lot of creative people are like this, like kind of like dreamers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have this uh, sometimes this unrealistic uh, perspective of like the world. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, as you're talking, also like I'm picturing you and I on like a unicorn cloud, and I'm just like, I don't know, I'm down to earth. I don't know. What we're <laughs> we're just floating on two lollipops. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. How do you think I got here? Uh, <laughs> I'm like the, the dragon unicorn, that you one legged unicorn on a wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And so it, that kind of does propel you to like, yeah, you're right. When you are creative and a dreamer, it, you almost have that weird like, um, you're you're not living in reality and sometimes that can be a good thing because it's like yeah, because you, you, you don't you box yourself in <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, sure, you know you can't all my <laughs> friends are wearing political signs like what the fuck are you talking about I'm interested. them kids ain't going nowhere <laughs> i'm interested to know how many people weren't black in the school 
most of them. Wait, how many that weren't were, black? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there were very few like non-black. So we really. So was there like two or three like token? Like, no, nah, it was more than that. Did you just say token? token. I know it's token, token white. That, that's guess, what it is, though. <laughs> but I was gonna say they have to at least. have You know, like yeah. one of like one of my my best friends who was who ended up being like my manager in music. He was like one of the only like Hispanics in that school. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And do you think they and, were and, just and, like, and, we and need one? I was just going to say, did you ever say this? Like, no, 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 I'm not racist. I have a Hispanic friend. <laughs> I never thought of that, but I never thought, thought of that, but but peop, but I used to kind of screw it up, though. Like, he was Nicaraguan. I was like, yeah, that's my Mexican homie over there. <laughs> he was oh. like, man, I'm not Mexican, dog. But he, but he, but he, but he, but he, you know, he educated me a lot on like his culture. And then I, then I, I in turn would tell other people, and they'd be like, "Hey, man, your friend Italian, right?" <laughs> like, no, nah, man, Peruvian he's friend. Cuban, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so wait, so you're going to college, and somewhere along the line, not to skip too far ahead, but like somewhere, you get into writing, and then that's what lands you here in L.A. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was always writing. I was writing. Um, and music came first. Music came before like any before comedy. And yeah, well, it's it's kind of funny. Music was kind of the thing that I felt like it was the, it was simple, like it was simple to get music done. Like which is different when it comes to like doing the film, mm-hmm. you know, or right. your production. Music is like, oh, you're the you have the studio. Oh, I need is a microphone and and, and I have all the ideas and here we go done. That's in all a, that, in a weekend after I get all my ducks in a row. Yeah, that I mean, it but was to, just to that film simple. anything is to write. To perfect, to hire our, all the all cameraman, the lighting, the, the sound guy, the actors. The I know it's so much. It's a lot. It was a lot. So, like, for me, like, look, what I used to do when I was, like, maybe, like, 13 years old, I used to get, um, I would have two radios. I would get a tape. It could be it could be an old Aaliyah tape or something. <laughs> rock oh, the boat. Yeah, rock oh, the boat. The boat. I would put uh, pieces of paper inside of the tape, and it would allow me to press record. So what I would do is I would take that tape. I would have it. This would be like my mini studio. This is what I would use to record any sound. And on this radio, it would be like an instrumental from like whatever song. Oh. So I would literally, no microphone, just recording, just being able to record my voice just from that radio. And that's how I started recording. Wow. So you'd have it like layer on top of the instrumental? Yeah. It would be like, like, yeah, it would be like an instrumental. Because back then, like, you know, back like 98, 99, it would be. Like they was, they still had tapes. Yes. They would have tapes. You go to the record store and you can get a tape. Right. Or uh, Best Buy, you get a tape. I so, miss like tape and it just getting like all stuck together. Yeah. Like side, side A and side B. And Man, I used to I used I used to do this. So I would take that tape, put it in there, and then I would have an instrumental and I would just put them close and I would record. And that's how I started so recording. Made, that's crazy. And my dad come like, boom, what the hell y'all doing in this goddamn room? <laughs> spaghetti for two weeks now. <laughs> two weeks spaghetti for you. <laughs> that's so funny it is amazing what you'll do when you don't have all the resources you you'll know. figure it out and that's an exciting thing is to do that when because now it's like well i can't do it without a macbook pro i gotta get the pro yeah, and then yeah. you gotta have the special equipment and i can't do it without that it's like all these excuses yep. you know and you think back to like that where you're like fuck it this is what i got i gotta do it yeah and, and it's funny because like like when you guys are trying to figure out like how everything started like i was a kid that and I'm just talking to my mom about this the other day. I, I I dealt with depression. I was a kid that, and I didn't realize it was depression, you know. But I realized that that what got me out of that mood, I didn't I didn't label it as depression. Whatever I whatever got me out of the mood was creating shit. 
Really? Yeah. yeah. I was. I wasn't even recording before, and I would just be writing my feelings. I don't like my daddy today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he make it. So you would write a bunch. Cut. I would write a whole bunch of shit. Wow. And it was it like it was the angsty stuff mixed with kind of just the like um, frustration. It was yeah, but that was like my first kind of like, taste of like. Uh, even before doing music, that was my first taste of comedy because I was always like a funny kid. But I would put my feelings down and I would just like roast my dad. Uh. I would roast my mom. <laughs> I'm a yeah. man, fuck this dude, man. This guy, first of all, his pants are high as hell. You know. <laughs> Just, yeah, even so though. So one of these days, his ball's going to come hanging out <laughs> and stuff. When my friends come over here and I'm going to be embarrassed and the whole 10th grade is going to be. Like, I would write st- like that, but that's where my brain was at. Yeah. yeah. As a as a 14, 15-year-old, you know. and But I would just put my feelings, like, on a piece of paper. Uh-huh. That's probably so healthy. And now that's how I write comedy. Right, just like taking your feelings. Yeah, I'm just just right. It's gonna be really funny when there's like the newest hot sensational movie that's out, and it's just about this guy whose balls fa- <laughs> fall out of his pants. <laughs> I'm like Jeremy, that's a Jeremy <laughs> Uncle Balls. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh wait, and we have to go back. I mean, we'll mention this in the intro too. But we <laughs> met when we were part of the sitcom writing class. Yeah. And I reference. Okay, I'm just gonna come clean. I have a boyfriend that I love so much, and I'm very taken, oh, very not available. Oh but I mentioned you when we when I first started talking about our class because mm. I was like going through like this woman named like Miss Juicy, and then she <laughs> always interrupts the class, and I was like trying to tell people like this class in and of itself is a sitcom. It and is. then I was like, and then there's this beautiful man that walked in, and like everyone wah, stopped, wah, and I made you sound wah, like a movie, wah, and that was you, and you're so cute. Thank but, you. Like, I mean, <laughs> but I so I was gonna say had so a bad day today until now. <laughs> no, no. So mm-hmm. our listeners will know that this is who I talked about in the episode as like the most beautiful man in our class that like I made it sound like these like you walked in the yeah yep there he is there he walks in and like our like 60 year old male instructor had to like stop and like get a wig so he could pull his hair back <laughs> but, but in my mind you're like the like the diet coke ad that like walked in and oh, yeah so, am I like Tyrese that's on the uh, yes, like, yeah. sweet lady would you be? All right, so you're in the class and the wig is flowing <laughs> and all the kind of stuff and then the funniest part is of that whole class our final was supposed oh to be God. a pilot episode and we never like got any feedback Man, or anything never. you but never I, got feedback no from that class? it was like our teacher just disappeared what yeah. so how, what, what? what was his name was it what was his name i forget okay. i we'll just forgot his name <laughs> but but like and Sam. then i felt like an entire class would be dedicated to like miss fruity holding up her hand and being like <laughs> the wonder years is that a single cam or multi-cam and then i'm like what am i here well, for yeah. why is that like, even important yeah. in a class where you're learning to write a screen pro- I honestly thought that we were going to go full out writer's room on each one of our ideas. Yes. That's what I thought it was going to be. Was it an expensive class? No. Not really. No. Maybe, maybe for you because you were coming all the way from. I was coming from San Diego. So yeah. yeah. It's more expensive for you time wise for sure. Oh, I yeah. was. Yeah. I was working in L.A. at the time, too. So uh, I would come right from there. But there was that one day there was like a few weird weeks in a row that was like monsoon type rain. And I drove. Uh, for, I did drive from San Diego that night. And then there was like no one else in the class. And I'm like, oh, my God, I drove from San Diego and back. And then like people are probably in West Hollywood and not driving. I was over. down the street like, fuck that shit. Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's sprinkling. I'm staying in. And then one thing I, I learned from becoming friends with you is that. That you have a lot of writers' room experience, and I kind of wanted to take the next turn into your current job and writers' rooms and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so you you write for Nick Cannon's Wild Now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we just finished up season twelve and thirteen. Wow. And um, so and it, it's it's been a fun experience, but it was it's been like when I first started working with them, it was like crazy. So I know our people will be interested. Like, how did that even come about? Okay. 
with now Evans is the executive producer. Well, he's one of the executive producers. When I first moved to LA, <laughs> I had a whole list of people. I still have a whole list of people. Just maybe like, it's probably like eight, probably 80 people now of people who I wanted to connect with. Mm -hmm. When I first got here, didn't know much about like improv, didn't know much about screenwriting, didn't know much about writing other than music. I've done, I've done a couple of like projects, but as far as like on the creative side of things, I haven't done much of that. But when I came to LA, I was kind of open-minded. So I knew like, okay, music is something that I can just pick up and do anytime. Mm -hmm. What is it that I need to like, what are the boxes I need to check off for me to like, push myself to be like that guy as a writer, actor, yeah. whatever. So I had a whole list of people that I researched from IMDB, uh, Wikipedia, whatever. And I sent a whole bunch of people uh, Facebook messages. And he was one of the guys. Now Evans was one of the guys that responded to me. Really? Really. Two years later, two years later, I think, because I moved here in 2014. Moved here 2014. And I would send messages like, Hey, I um, I was a fan of Jamie Foxx show because he wrote wrote on the Jamie Foxx show. His dad, uh, I mean, it's his uncle Bentley Evans, I believe he wrote wrote on that show. I know he created um, I think he created uh, I think he created uh that show. But anyway, so I knew his background and stuff, and I would say those things in like uh in in that Facebook message, and telling him like one day I'm gonna work with you. <laughs> oh, would you write that? Yeah, one day I'm gonna work with you. <laughs> I was I would say shit to everybody. I would say shit to everybody. Really? Like, yeah. And um and that, I love I it. would immediately want to give somebody a chance if they weren't a complete tool. Like yeah. I, if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, Yeah. I would believe yeah, that. Maybe you I are. Maybe, maybe you are. Maybe you are gonna work with me. Yeah. So um I send a whole bunch of those e like emails, Facebook messages. I was with face obviously with Facebook, you can look and see if someone saw yeah. the message. Yeah. So I would go back, like I wasn't obsessed with it, but it got to the point where I would be like, Ain't nobody gonna respond to me. So was there like an, a question in there or was it just you telling them I'm gonna work with you? No, it was it was no question at all. <laughs> because I knew I didn't have everything that would probably be needed. I didn't yeah. have a resume. I didn't have any of that stuff. So for me, I would I need for me, I'm the type of person I need to have a target goal. Mm. I can't just be out here like, yeah, I'm gonna be an actor. Yeah. I'm gonna write. I need I need I need to find people that I need to meet and I need to have a purpose with that. Which is so smart. You're already like a ninety percent ahead of what I think other people are just yeah. like, ah, I'm here. Some people rush into the room and then they go, I don't know what I was gonna say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I forgot my pants. Yeah. Um <laughs> But but I think like a year and a half later, like he uh I added him on Facebook, and then he accepted it. And then on Instagram, he accepted it. Ooh. And yeah, that's like a huge. It's like thing the long because, game. You're like yeah, because yeah. it's like a huge. It's it's like inch by inch, yes. you know. And it's kind of like all right, because I, I I look at it like you're an executive producer. You have all this busy shit that you have to do. At least we think. You right. Know, right. Um, goes back to the whole thing of like what's success and people see you guys on the radio and doing this awesome podcast. And like you said, you, they're way out in Spain <laughs> bombing coffee. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's like, but what is your life after this? So so maybe he had that downtime where uh -huh. he was like, oh, I'm going to sift through my Facebook friends and then, oh, I see a message. And oh, that was a cool message or whatever. Like you said, maybe he will. Uh, you know, work with me. Well, let's just see. Yeah. So I think yeah. he was, I think he might have kind of been tracking just to see what my progression was. Exactly. See what I've been doing. Um, but my first opportunity to work with him, I, I, I fucked it up. 
Really? I, fu- I fucked it up because oh. I was at, I was um in CBS uh, Diversity, um, I think it was called the CBS, the CBS Diversity Showcase. So if you guys ever heard of that, CBS, they I do actually this have. Yeah, I have. Where they audition people. Is that on uh, Fox News? Because it's the only <laughs> thing I watch. Oh, no. The CBS <laughs> Diversity <laughs> Show on Fox News <laughs> look, look, with Rachel look, Maddow. Look, you, look you, know, you, you know when you think everybody's on the same page, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the Rush Limbaugh CBS Diversity Sorry, Show. Sorry, I apologize. No, that's funny. <laughs> we got to work hard on this one. <laughs> Gonna make me do some work in this interview. Um, no, uh, so CBS Diversity they were doing this divert. They do this thing where they kind of like starting to like integrate, um, just diverse and not necessarily people of color. Um, it could be your sexuality, that if you whatever it is that that's not seen a lot on right. CBS, they're trying to like integrate that in there. Um, I was like really like closing, shutting down everything else, and I was just focused on my auditions. I had like my third callback, then I got to like my fourth callback. Um, and this was like September 2016, I think. And were these for like um, like sitcoms or all just anything? Like just all movies, live action, All of it. If anything. We, if we all were going in there and we made it, then we would do the showcase where uh-huh. you can sing, dance, uh, do your monologues, you know, act sketches, do sketches or whatever. They would, and then you would be like in their like pool of talent. Okay. And then they would put you like in the show. Like wow. my friend Justin Hires, um, he, he did Rush Hour. The TV show that came on CBS. Okay, yep. Um, didn't it? Didn't it did one season, um, but now he's he plays Bozier on um CBS's MacGyver, which is like, you know, fourth season. That's awesome. Fourth season now, so I saw that and I was just so like into like I got to do this, I got to do this. I'm getting ready to get prepared for like my fourth callback. This guy sends me, he sends me the uh, Facebook message. He's like, hey, like, <laughs> he's like, hey, oh. Uh, um, send me your resume. Huh? For an opportunity. For an opportunity. I didn't know what the opportunity was. I oh, just know. Man. I just know him as now Evans Wilding Out. And That's, had he been liking any of your photos nah, or like no? Okay. Nah, n- nothing like that. It just came out of the blue, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, trying to keep cool. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, yeah, I got you. I'm gonna send it right away. But I was so caught up in yeah. this, and I think. What what was like what went two days? Two days was too too long, too far for an executive producer. Yeah. And he sends me a message and he's like, position filled. <gasps> Next time an EP tells you to send that resume, you drop what you're doing and you do it right then and there. Wow. And like my whole fucking just jaw just dropped. <sighs> my face just oh, hit the I floor. Oh, I feel like inside, like, oh. My face hit the floor because like that, I always wanted to work for a while and out. Yeah. Whether it was just a writer or just to be on the show as a talent, yes. I just wanted to be a part because I grew up watching that show. Right. Um, and I did not, uh, I did not get the CBS diversity thing as an actor. I ended up getting writing, like kind of writing sketches, you know, for them or whatever. But but I wanted to be there as an actor though. Uh huh. Um, so that thing, I kind of ended up leaving that. So I think maybe a year. Did you write back to him? I wrote him back and I told him I was like, you're, I told him, I said, it's not an excuse, but I was just, my head was just into this CBS yeah. diversity thing, which is, it's, you never have an excuse. Right. There's never you're an excuse. Right. You're yeah. just wrong. I'm just wrong. You fucked up. Yeah. You're Even wrong. if you're like, sorry, but my fingers just really, fell off in yeah, an accident. That's all you yeah. can do. <laughs> that's all yeah. I can do. Like sorry. Your answer with I got nose. cut in half. Well, then the, the top half should have <laughs> yeah. sent me that fucking email. <laughs> the bottom half just yeah. fucked yeah. you over. Yeah. Oh, you got the bottom half? Well, your toes better be sitting in that email, sucker. But, but, but. I just kind of like, I, I flipped it though. Cause I was like, 
either either I lost this opportunity or it's at the, it's at my fingertips where was which was in my hand yeah. and it's at my fingertips. I flipped it. So I started to I started to be on his ass. I uh-huh. started to be on him, you know, and I would just be like, "Hey, I'm producing this comedy show. Come out." I just started to begin like really yeah. proactive. Everything you're group. doing Look what I'm doing. I'm in motion yeah. already. Yeah. Because I had no gauge as far as like if he even, yeah, he added me on Facebook or he accepted me, but I had no, nothing to kind of gauge to see like, you know, where I am at with him. Right. So if you're just like one of 200 people that yeah. he wrote, send me your resume yeah. or if he does have his eyes on you. And, it, and it's lit. It's like that. It, yeah. It's everybody sending this guy stuff. And, and I just flipped it and I just became more so like proactive because now I kind of knew where I stood. I knew that I fucked up, yeah. <laughs> so I had to get myself out of that. So I would just be everywhere. I just started doing more stand-up comedy, uh, places that, not necessarily the places that I think that he would be at, because, you know, I don't know if he goes to all these comedy places or whatever, but I knew that I started producing more shows and some of the people that were on the show would start coming to really? the show. Mm-hmm. So I started manifesting, attracting people to these shows that I were produced that worked on the show. Uh-huh. This is so interesting to me. Yeah, I just started manifesting. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing about about manifestation and, yeah. and all that stuff that I started getting into. But that shit started happening. And um, last year, he gave me that, uh, he sent me an uh, email. And he said, yo, what are you going to be doing? Uh, wait, wait, did he start the email with yo? <laughs> just, I'm just being, yeah. oh, he said yo, yeah. period. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I got, I got the message. I, cool. <laughs> I showed he's like, yo. He's like, what? <laughs> he's stupid. <laughs> I know you fuck with me. I gotta watch him. <laughs> I know you fuck with me. <laughs> oh my gosh, I want to have just record you be saying he's stupid and like play it again stupid. and again and again and again. He's that stupid. will be like my ringtone when Bo calls. <laughs> you know you fuck with me. Oh I like I'm honestly gonna make like that clip. I'm just fucking with it. I'm just fucking with it. Get your fingers out the goddamn tape. <laughs> but he said yo, right? Yeah. I mean, he yeah. said it like that, right? Like he said, yo. yo. <laughs> he said he's like yo. He was like, what are you doing? Because before he even sent this. I, like I said, I had already been like on him. I had already been sending him stuff, and he would never, you know, never reply, nothing like that. Um, oh, but he would. They did have a, and I know the auditions were coming around, and I would be like, "What do I got to do? Yeah, you know, what do I need to do?" Because he would see me. It, I think at this point, like uh, this is two thousand, yeah, two thousand and eighteen. So early two thousand eighteen. Um, he would see that I was starting to like do stuff, and he would. That's when he would kind of start liking. Interesting. Certain things. Like you'd be in the mix of basically started getting in the mix of shit. Yeah. And started rubbing elbows with at least what I think with people that he that were his friends. Yes, that he deems like this is the cool circle and the safe circle, uh-huh. and now this person's kind of infiltrating it. Yeah. So, I think um I think around this time I was getting ready to do the uh, I was going to go do the Kevin Hart um. Uh, showcase in New Orleans, and I think he, uh, you know, I think he 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 commented on like when's your next show? When I was like, oh, I'm about to be in New Orleans to go do the Kevin Hart thing, and he was like, ah, oh. and I think he was kind of like, when you are you gonna be free? That was a t- that was a message after that, and he was like, are you gonna be free? Like, yo, what are you doing between June, whatever dates it was at the time? And I was like, I ain't doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was it was my sister's wedding. And this is how I had to kind of like think real fast because uh, he said, are you going to be free around this time? And I was like, yeah. I told him, I said, I have my sister's wedding. I already got the ticket. Uh, We had a whole bunch of festivities between Monday and like Friday. 
But I said, what I'm going to do, I would just change my ticket around and I would just go to the wedding. Yeah. From like, you're like, you just don't need me to audition from like yeah. 6 to 9 p.m. that, that <laughs> literal Friday. day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll take two red eyes. I'll take two red eyes. And um, he responds that, you know what? It's not even going to be worth it. I'll, I'll circle back around to you. And I was like, mm, nope. <laughs> nope. I said, I'm going to. Um, I'll make it work. Wow. So I went and bought I went and bought another plane ticket to physically show him this is my chess move. I bought my plane ticket. I'm only going to be um to go to my sister's wedding for those two days. That is bold. Which is Friday and Saturday and I screenshotted the the ticket and he was just kind of like, "All right, I get back to you. <laughs> just just sit tight or whatever." So like another, maybe like another week and a half, two weeks of me like, what is he going to do? What the fuck is wow, going on? Wow, a week or two? Yeah, a week and a half, two weeks. Fuck. It was definitely over, it was see, definitely see, over cause that. Because you, you make a hard play like that, right? Yeah. And then nothing. And nothing. <gasps> and wait, I'll never be able to sleep if I don't know the answer. Did he, do you think he said? He said yo, period. Well, no, I know no, he, he said did, yo. He, de- he for sure said yo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but He's, did he say it won't be worth it because he means on what would, like because he thinks of what your audition would be like or 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 just because of it's not worth it he probably needs a time commitment i think for yeah i think it was like the time commitment thing. like well we're auditioning or we're doing this from monday to sunday we can't miss you on friday uh, saturday okay. it wouldn't be worth yeah. it i just and didn't I know what he said well this was this was to write on the show it wasn't to uh okay. it wasn't for me to be on the show so he needs you in that writing room he needed me to be gonna... in the right but i didn't know that at the time Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. He was just saying, are you going to be free between this time? For all I know, it could have been like, hmm, I want you on the show. Yeah. From yeah. what I've seen already. Yeah. So that's where my head was going. So I at this up. point, you're doing stand-up. You're on the Kevin Hart uh, showcase that's going to be in... It New was Orleans. in New Orleans, New Orleans. Yeah. last year. Okay. And so you've got a little bit of legitimacy just in that alone. For sure. Right? I mean, obviously, I Kevin Hart's a name that people knew at the time, yeah. even then. And so what's what goes on next? Like, what is he <laughs> like? What the fuck? I need you to finish this yeah, shit. I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm like, yeah. I'm on the edge. Oh, so, oh, so, OK. So, yeah. So rewind. He's already seen that I'm doing stuff, producing stuff, performing at the Laugh Factory and Comedy Store, which I'm assuming. I'm assuming that he's seen, like I said, manifesting rubbing elbows yeah. with these people that um, I respect. And they're like his his friends, you know, so. This is like uh, from the first time I sent that message on Facebook, I've kind of like progressed like in my career uh-huh. and, and that and that in like two years, I've kind of made that progression or whatever, being very intentional about stand up comedy and, and sketch and uh, improv, all this stuff. So I got the call to be able to do the Kevin Hart Heart of the City showcase, which was in New Orleans um, audition. First time, then I got the call back to go to New Orleans to go and do it. So I was excited about that. So I went to New Orleans, um, went down there, whole fam- family members and all that down there. Never did stand-up comedy in New Orleans before. Nervous as fuck, but I smashed that shit. I killed it. <laughs> I killed that shit. I ain't gonna even lie. <laughs> I'm on a high. You See, know. I, I love that confidence that I could never have. Oh, I killed that shit. Because I would say, oh, it went really well. But you're like, I, I fucked that it. room but up. But you probably know. You probably know comparing times that you didn't smash it. You, like, oh, I know yeah. you probably have those times that you're when you finally do and you're like, oh, this, oh is, yeah. this is what I was looking for. Because also, I have to feel like that because I was so nervous going down there. And then it was the odds were stacked against me, yeah. I feel, because like everyone in New Orleans it's had always known me as mute, as a rapper. Yeah. Mm. It's like, oh, this they, guy does comedy now. Yeah. And, 
And I remember even going down at the Orpheum Theater. Um, I remember going there and like I had some friends like, hey, Gumbo, you about to be rapping, right? <laughs> like, no, it's comedy, dog. Like he was like, no, nah, no, nah, you mean you you gonna you gonna close it out with a couple of raps, right? I'm like, no, nah, bro. Like <laughs> you close you're gonna out. Your be doing, you're gonna be making people laugh. <laughs> that's gonna be terrible. Like, <laughs> oh no. You were never funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a whole different game, brother. You gotta make us laugh, 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 laugh. <laughs> So, so so you killed the show. I killed it. I killed it. I killed it. And um had my mom there. Um That's gotta be an exciting moment. Aww. My my siblings that were there and it's cause they never see me do stand up. Wow. They've always only seen me do music. And they were like, okay, let me see. Like I just it's that it was that feeling of like looking in the audience and like this is your mom, this is your sister, and they're kind of looking with that ah look, Aww. like who the fuck is this guy yeah. up on the stage? Yeah. So proud, and also in awe of what's just happened. Yeah, like it, it was an out of body experience because usually when I get up on stage and I'm really like really into it, I black out. Uh huh. I just really just go for. I stay within what I try to stay within what I say that I'm gonna say on stage. But sometimes I just black out. I go into whoever that whoever yes. I am on that stage. But seeing them, it was just like, it's like yeah, like I can do this. This is something that I want to continue doing. So after that, I go back to I go back to uh, um, I go back to L.A. and then um, I'm waiting for um, oh I get that message from him, and then I'm uh, just like waiting. I'm just waiting, 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 waiting. Went to uh, before I left to go to my sister's uh, wedding. Uh, I got that call, which was like gonna meet me at um, Incredible Studios in Burbank, and um, yeah, it went downhill from there. And then <laughs> went downhill no, from kidding. there. I was just kidding. And the writer, the writer's bring, room like, is brutal. Oh, yeah. Okay. Brutal. But yeah. Yeah. So then, did you have? Was it like from that first day you were in the writer's room, or did you? Was that first meeting day. to basically? Okay, so the first day you were in the first day, room. first day it was like you're gonna be in the. It's writers like the first room. day of school. That's so it makes yeah, me so nervous. It's like writers were first day, uh, writing, writing, creative consultant, first day, and like this is my first experience being in a real, like, um, writers room. Writer and creative consultant, you said. Yeah. yeah. What are what's the, not what's the difference between the two? But what is creative consultant? So creative consultant, uh, it, it's kind of like the overall. Um, creativity of the show pitching ideas for the show um i guess in a sense you guys have like segment producers yeah, right yep so you guys have to come up with like ideas for right. like that segment yeah so i guess it's similar to that like what new can we bring creative wise okay yep but the writing part is the more specific oh yeah because they, they like flesh out exactly what's going to be said yeah. and done and, and like that shit was like it, it it really put like it really thickened my skin if my skin wasn't thick beforehand, <laughs> it really thickened my skin. Because Just because you throw an idea and they'd be like, that's stupid? That shit's terrible. No, it's not even like that stupid. It's like, you got to come better than that. That's like, t that, sh that shit is dumb. That's terrible. Really? Yeah, and that's like my biggest fear. Like, that hasn't happened to me yet. But, like, I always, I always like, picture if things went a different way, like, on my job or whatever, and people were, like, bad, bad. And I'm like, oh, no. And to have that actually kind of happen is like, but then you just, you survive the worst of the worst. Well, well I think because, too, it's like I was, I'm in a room full of, well, I think me and another guy, which I come to find, he was my cousin. That's a whole other story. What? what that's, the that's, fuck? A whole other, that's a whole other. That's a whole other story. Okay. We got a lot of cousin story. talk today. We whole another story. Nate Jackson, very very funny comedian or whatever. He he was actually he was actually on Wildin' Out. 
Um, he's my cousin. Um, but he and I were the only comedians on that in that writers' room. Mm. We were the only comedians in that writers' room. So I felt like, okay, you know what? I have uh. a little. You know, maybe I never written for like a TV show or anything like that, but I kind of have like that. Uh, you yes. know, I got that quickness. If it gets outside of pitching, and I feel like I gotta just kind of like poke my chest out, I know I have that arsenal right with me. But that first day, I was just kind of like, uh, "What's going on here?" All right, Jeremy, what idea you got? Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, Nick Cannon gonna come out of side of. Uh, he gonna come from the top of the roof. <laughs> 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 That shit is terrible, dog. Get in, go take a water break, like. And even like, so even walking in, like the high—is there a hierarchy in terms of how people even like sit and and if people even converse with each other? Like, is there kind of like the vibe of the room in general? Yeah, like RJ, he was the uh, RJ. I can't even think. I can't even remember RJ's last name. He was like the head, because like head, like writer, creative consultant. Um. So obviously he'd sit <laughs> sit at that table. I didn't understand how the structure uh-huh. worked. I got there early, as any newbie does. Got yeah. there like an hour. <laughs> I got there hour early. Got my laptop out, and I'm just like sitting there waiting. Oh, sit, I need sit, to stay away. Oh. Sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. Um, We've all had that feeling too, just when you're like in a class, the beginning. You mm-hmm. know, when it's just like you show up and you're almost like Who too else excited. Who's gonna be in the room? Yeah. Who else is gonna what am I gonna know? And it's crazy, guy. I, you know, there were like other um, internet stars that kind of like started coming in there like Cynthia Luciette she was like a big um, internet um, personality she did creative consulting for that but I started seeing these people who have really got stacked resumes and I'm kind of like feeling like damn like that first day I was kind of like shit because you kind of like you you're kind of like self-conscious in a sense yeah you question who am i like that imposter syndrome that everyone talks about you got this you got this opportunity and you you don't sleep at all you're just watching a whole bunch of wilding out uh fucking videos and shit (laughs) but after that sec after the i say after the second day after i kind of like was able to kind of start riffing and like kind of building that camaraderie with people and start being myself and start talking shit to yeah, like people. yeah. I started being myself. Look what the fuck you got on, like. Yes. <laughs> and, and then you, I would, and then I would be like, I, I hope that's cool, like. And even probably the way, <laughs> even probably the way you delivered your pitches, because I think too, it sometimes it takes a while to be able to just like say your idea and be like, you know, just throw it out there without like um, you know, and then you're just like, this is my idea, and even yeah. just the level of like the tone, people really respond. It's almost more than the idea itself; it's the Look, tone. Of, and you know, what's funny. There were ideas that I pitched uh-huh. that were yeah, it's terrible. And then the next day, somebody would pitch the same thing. You'd be like, I like it. Write it up. Really? <laughs> I'd be like, hey, man, I said that. <laughs> but He'd do you think like, they just said it with, like, said yeah, it. with <laughs> conviction? And and it, does Nick come in to all the pitching meetings? Um, I saw well, – he didn't really come in the pitching meeting. Nick, Nick is like – he's, like, doing, like, 30,000 other things and stuff. Yeah. So he would he would walk in the – he would come walk into Incredible – um, office and go and do whatever other stuff that he has to do, you know. But there were times and stuff he would just kind of peek his head in, what's up or whatever. Is there an yeah. idea that you pitch that you're like most proud of? Um, well, not necessarily. Well, I mean, I think a lot of that that I pitched that got that got picked up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think last season they were doing like it was in Atlanta, and it's in Atlanta this season too, and. Uh, HBCUs, I went to HBCU, Historically Black College, and uh, bands, that's huge at those schools. 
like marching bands oh, uh-huh. is huge at those schools. If you if you guys ever, uh, I don't know how white y'all are, but uh, I'm pretty white. Okay, yeah. so you don't know. Uh, <laughs> I date a black person, so does that really? make me somewhat? And I was less in a marching white? band. One percent. Uh, and I I'm part of the one percent. <laughs> you are one percent, brother. One percent. And I played the snare drum, and I had like a little cymbal boy. But I want to try something. I've been working out. Can I just try this? Yes. With you? Okay. Oh no, Bo. Oh no. Yo. Yo. Yeah. That's, that's, it. It. that's it. That's it. I just been working on it. I've been working on it. I'm, I'm workshopping it. So <laughs> let's a writer. And so he definitely went to an HSBU or an HBUS. ACSB. Historically black. Yeah, yeah. Historically black college university. A B C D F G. Fubu. Fubu. Yeah. As far as like what I was proud of, not not really. I mean, I was proud of all of them. Yeah. You know, like I said, like the it was in Atlanta, the big with historically black colleges. At least that was one of the things that we kind of used. So, um, you know, we kind of me and Nate and we kind of like. Let me put it like this. The writer's room was really fun after those first two days. Yeah. It was really just trying to get really creative. You would think that it's kind of like sitting down and like typing up and say, hey, I got this idea. No, it was a lot of like it's wilding out. So it was like a lot of like freestyling, yeah. ma- you know, making music, uh, jokes. Just it, it got real fun like after the second second day because it was kind of like, I guess we got to be serious on the first day. Let yeah. everybody know yeah. what the deal is. And then after that second day, it was just kind of like, kind of loosened up. And your background in music probably gives you. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Like once I realized that I was able to kind of use that um, in my pitches and stuff, like that kind of helped me out a lot. But I'm proud of all of them, you know. Um, How much of that show really is like just straight up in the moment improv? A good amount of it is. I think there, a lot of I think it's like the new guys that come. Mm Mm-hmm on the show um they're kind of like scared or, or maybe not it's it's a lot of this for them it's their first time on television so and it's and it's not live but i mean you got a live audience right that's there so sometimes uh there are jokes that are kind of prepared you know for some of them and it's like you either use it or not especially for like the freestyle the wild style yes oh part. i watch that i'm like that's yeah. amazing to me especially for that like you know if you know that you will have that opportunity to kind of get up there and do uh, your freestyling. Um, you kind of know if you got your jokes. If you want to go after Nick, then you just kind of got to come with it. Is there a time that you can remember where shit just went to shit? Like completely? Where you're like, oh, fuck. Um, I mean, you've kind of touched on that a little bit in the first two days of you being like, you pitching and then having to go, that's dumb. Which is God for any creative for any person to be here, told like, "Hey, the job you're doing, it's awful." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Could you I imagine f- me in that? <laughs> Actually, no. If it was around people that I, yeah, if you respect, respect but people yeah. that you respect and you don't know, I would just be like, <laughs> "Oh yeah. man, fuck." Yeah, you, yeah, it's so funny how how we can feel so like uh, big sometimes and or just like in our element, and then so quickly be like, "Oh no, I am just like a scared eighth grader again." Yeah. You know, like I, I'll go through this like a feeling like. Oh, okay. Like I'm doing well in life, and then it, all it takes is like one weird party where you're standing alone, and you're, you're like, "Oh, okay. I really haven't like worked yeah. through any of my issues." <laughs> like, yeah, I mean that, that's 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 human nature. It is human. You know? Yeah. I, it got you sit back and you know you got this opportunity. You you're nervous as fuck. You sit back and think like, "Am I gonna screw this up?" Like that. It that has to be at least a thought that comes through right. at least one time. Like, "Am I gonna screw this up?" 
and this opportunity that I have, what's going to happen if I just don't do what I'm supposed to do? You know, because they don't come like this very often. Look, I had already screwed it up one time. Right. Yeah. You know, there's no screwing up again. There's, there's no, no like screw half screw up either. No. So for me, like, uh, I kind of, I'm, I'm the type of person where I have to observe first and then I need to know how I need to attack the situation. Which essentially is those first two days you're watching, you're kind of understanding what the situation is. And then on mm -hmm. that third day and on, you're like, okay, I got this. Let's do it. But they were really, because there were people who didn't come back. Really? Yeah. Like there were, there were like, you know, maybe third or fourth day. Then peop some people just never came back. On their own accord or like through they the They just kind of let them go. Like, huh. Yeah, wow. They just kind of like, just you know, just far like, vibing. yeah, just far as like hacking it or if you're just lazy or if you just kind of like your, your pitches are not you know, well, yeah, you know, um, but I think doing stand up comedy for sure, improv though, for sure, improv the type of pressure that comes with improv, yeah, it set me up for, for a lot of shit in life. I gotta tell you, that is the underlying message we hear from every comedian, every writer is like, oh, improv completely upped my game. Yeah. On a huge level. Every comedian's like, yeah, comedy's great, but improv fucked me up in the best way. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. and not just even in comedy, but just like in life. Like, to be able to, to handle those weird situations. To, to even just to think quick on your feet. Yeah. And then even in improv, like, look, I started doing improv at Groundlands and nice. mostly uh, white men that were there. Really? Yeah. Um, it wasn't anything that was like, I wasn't uncomfortable with it it was mostly about the teaching though you know uh, can i be myself yeah you know can i be me um and there were a lot of times i would go and try to do look i got a lot of good learning i got a lot of good education that was from uh groundlands and then i did some um ucb in second city but it kind of forced me to kind of get out of my comfort zone as far as like what my knowledge of like certain genres of like television like, I ain't watching a lot of sci-fi. I'm just not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not finna watch no Star Trek. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, and would that be, like, required from from improv or not really? No, but in the audience, though, if your audience is, uh, if that's what they, um, you know, I, I have my nerdy way. So there are things that I didn't, that I did know. But there were some things that if you're a really, really super Shakespeare nerd, like, and that's what you were like, yeah, uh. Your character's going to be Hamlet. I don't know shit about <laughs> Hamlet, but yeah. I'm going to own it, though. Yeah. But it's uncomfortable yeah. not really knowing <laughs> yes. shit about Hamlet. <laughs> yeah. But it was always funny, too, because I would kind of just own it and kind of be like, here the these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Hither with me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> see, I would like that the best. But see, but... And, but I also had that feeling of, like, every time I got off the stage, it would always be like, that was close. Yeah. yeah, but you are like living on the edge in improv. I mean, that's where you you're living on the edge. Yeah. But at the same time, I would just like to just just go into it. Like now, I'm now I'm completely different. But I would just like to go into it boldly, you know, just yes. confidently. Yeah. Knowing that whatever you give me, I got it. Doesn't matter. Right. And this is my PSA too. I get a lot of people that are like 
oh, because I did some improv in San- back in San Diego, and I get so many people that are like really want to try it, but they're scared and nervous. But I feel like of all the things, like an improv level one class, especially at a place that's not like the Groundlings or UCB, is what, some of the friendliest beginner classes. Because I feel like improv level one, they are very like kindergartnery and yeah. It. I feel like stand up is way to me scarier to like kick it off with. Because you're all alone. You're just alone on stage. Yeah. yeah. But but I mean, if you're but doing improv. it at a place like a big league place, then yes. You're probably going to experience that. But to me, like some of the smaller places, level one they improv won't. is very like nothing to be scared of. Yeah. Groundlands was because uh, you had people. I, I I was the number one improver in Nebraska State. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nobody give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I used to be. I'm like, nobody give a damn. But but it was kind of like like I do. You had people that had like I do improv. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. When you yeah. get in the scene, it's kind of like you're not sh- improv was like sharing. There was no sharing with some of these people. Wow. Which means like I, you know, and a good teacher would know that you're sabotaging the scene because you're trying to just take it and hijack it and not share it. You know. Uh huh. Um, but improv set me up for some of those things in life, and it helped me for it with 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 the wilding out. Once I got kind of got out of my head. And I got to like that third day, like I was kind of like pitching these improv games that I know for sure more than not. I want to say more than most of the people, but I knew them, though. So when I heard the games, I would be like, "Mm, no, that's not the way you play it. Oh, really? See, that's wonderful. Because I knew I knew, you know, I knew. So and now you put together an improv show, right? I just saw it. What's yeah? What's um, it called again? I just I wrote it down, but I was two. Dark. One's called uh, Let's Be Honest. Okay. Another one's called Y'all Play Too Much. <laughs> <laughs> and how are they? What's give us a little bit about each of them? Uh, so I started um, Let's Be Honest because uh, I auditioned for the Flappers Flappers Comedy Club uh-huh. House, the first ever house improv team. Okay. Um, which was under Kent Scoville at LA Comedy Connection. Um so I did maybe like four shows with them, but I didn't like I didn't like being on that team. I felt like it just wasn't uh diverse enough and I felt like uh I felt like um everybody was like a stranger every day. Really? Mm. Yeah. It was like a stranger every day. So I didn't really like I didn't really feel like there were times that I would do the uh we'll be practicing. And I would get a suggestion. It would be like a stereotypical suggestion. I don't think it would be something that he might have intended it to be that way. But I find myself having to, like, um, give a lot of pushback. No, I'm not going to be a, a robber. Oh. I'm not going to be. Like, if that was what my suggestion was, I would come and be like, I'm going to be your representative today. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, and, and it would be that person would be the robber. And he'd be like, yeah. that's not what I. Wow. That's not what I uh, wanted huh. to be. It didn't happen a lot, but it happened enough. Yeah. Good uh, for you for recognizing that, yeah. though, that and like just being confident enough, which we all should be, to oh. be like, no, not a fit for me. Like, yeah, baby, I'm woke. Oh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> woke as fuck, we don't need people, we don't Some need woke. like situations yeah. if it's not right for you. There's a million others. Like, yeah. It's and, fu- yeah. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No. You said it's funny. I, w- I was going to say something about that kind of stereotypical thing, which is like, going back and watching movies from like the 80s. I never realized this as a as a sort of like an uneducated white kid in Ohio surrounded by only white people. Mm-hmm. But like growing up, uh, it I didn't really get it. But watching movies back from the 80s, they're all the bad guys. All the thugs are mm-hmm. these black 
gangster, like mm-hmm. inner city guys. I'm like, whoa. Like I was so, so ignorant to the idea. Yeah. And, and it wasn't until I got to an age where I could even put that together that I'm like, how much fucking damage did this do to everyone? But what was it but for you, though? What was it like? What was the turning point? Because I think it's what, well, what was that thing that I started? OK, so when I got out of Ohio, I started was the honestly I didn't even meet a black person until I was in college, probably. OK, okay? Um, inc- that includes Asian, Mexican for the most part. It was just like not a thing. Small yeah. town in Ohio. Uh, and I think I really got into film and cinema. And I think it's hard to be really diverse in, in understanding cinema and, mm-hmm. and theater uh, and be a racist. I, I personally, I feel that because you have to accept all cultures. And if you really watching films, people are like, this is a great foreign film. Watch it. It's like, there's going to be a different culture there. Mm-hmm. You have to start to understand and look at things differently. Uh, through that, I really just started evolving, not even noticing it. It just was mm. like, I was interested in different types of movies than I had always seen. But then when I go back, like, I think I watched something like, uh, it was like 48 hours or, or, or one of these fucking movies, <laughs> no, right? Nick Note. Yeah, it's like this stuff. And it's like you see what they're saying and you're like, holy shit. And all the bad guys are some black, greasy guy with a knife. Like, I'm going to stick you. It's like, whoa. But every single bad guy is this? And like, you think about are, those, those actors weird. that are doing that, too. That are oh, yeah, like, di- oh, I, you know. I've I been in this. 400 movies and I've been the bad guy yeah. in every one. It's like, yeah. oh, man. It was, it's kind of like, um, you know. That's his. That guy's probably his paycheck. Mm-hmm. And he's uh-huh. probably got typecasted that, and he's probably auditioned for other things. And was kind of his age was kind of like, no, nah, you're gonna be the, uh, you're gonna be, be the guy that's gonna always stab somebody. I think that's stabby, why stabby, stabby yeah. Steve. <laughs> you're stabby Steve. Stabby Steve. Stabby I Steve. think that's why it's so important, and a lot of people don't understand it. Uh, why something like Black Panther is so important? For sure. Why something like a movie like um, Crazy Rich Asians is important? Mm-hmm. It, it's about giving these people who didn't typically get those roles in America yep. a, a, an opportunity to be a hero, mm-hmm. to be the main focus and not have it be a negative. You know, yeah. even the bad guy in Black Panther was understandable. I, yeah. I could relate to him and understand uh, where Michael he's, B. Jordan's yeah, character. I could yeah. relate where he was coming from and why. Yeah. It, yeah. I wasn't like, well, that's just a bad guy, you know. <laughs> it's so I think we are growing. I'm sorry to get yeah. off topic. No, on no, that. no, no. Like, but I just kind of feel no, like listening sure. to you. I was like, yeah, that must have been. I never thought about that though. Even like from an actor's point of view, it's like, oh, I want to do so many other roles, and then it's like I keep on getting yeah. this thing. Yeah, well, like, you got to speed up the. I mean, the thing is, we have to. Uh, I don't think America was ready for. Um, a black man being a, a lead in a lot of roles, even though we had Denzel and Morgan Freeman mm-hmm. and Will and um, like, you know Cuban Gooden Jr. Those guys kind of had some roles, but not consistently mm-hmm. enough. But um, I think now it's kind of—I don't want to say it's speeding up faster, but I do feel like in the past couple of years, like there has been like yes. more um, yeah. diversity. Whether it's because if you were gay, if you were gay and black, if you were gay and white, if you were um, lesbian, um, whatever it was, if you were, like you said, crazy rich Asian, um, when you can be the lead and be, and little, uh, Asian kids can be like, Oh, I want to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or white kids can be like, I want to be like that guy. And that guy's he's Mexican. Right. You know? Yes. So, I mean, but yeah, as far as like being in improv, it was a mostly, uh, white male, you know, world. That's what it was. And look, we like, 
in the hood, we ain't nobody doing no improv. Ain't nobody. Right, yeah. I mean, we are. I mean, we are, but we don't realize. Don't realize. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody like. Okay, give me a location in a relationship. <laughs> the ain't projects. Doing, yeah. Ain't nobody. Grandma. Yeah. Ain't no, nobody. Nobody doing that. But it's like. But we would be sitting on like sitting outside the house and like just roasting each other right. yes. and just making up shit like then and there. You know what I mean? So we were doing improv. We just didn't have the structure, right. scene structure. You know. Um, so yeah, when I was in that improv class, now listen, I'm like Kent, he was a good guy. He was, he, he was cool as far as like, I allowed myself to know about him uh-huh. outside of, outside of those little issues that I, that I had or whatever. But I had already had those issues being at Groundlands. I already had those issues kind of right. in second city. There's a sensitivity of, of you going like this again, this like, again, come on, man. Yeah. And, yeah. and for me, it was kind of like, all right, you know what? I liked improv so much. I liked it so much where I was like, I need to do something about this shit. So then I told everybody, I was like, I don't think I'm going to come back to this. And I had already been planning to try. I already been producing comedy shows. You tuck your gun into your jeans. <laughs> I don't think I'm you put your robber's mask down yeah. and you just walk out of there. <laughs> and I was like, you guys are lucky I'm not going to shoot this place up. Yeah. Okay, please don't make just, that voice and look like that. I'm just, just, like, just so you know. In a very loving way, I'm just going to look guess, at this. I, a painting that is hot buttered popcorn. I guess I should have said, I should have said, he tucks that knife away and says, you can't call me Steve anymore. You can't call I'm, me Stabby Steve anymore. Oh my God, don't say you're Stabby Steve. <laughs> Do not refer to yourself as Stabby Steve and look like that. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Meryl is losing her no, shit no. right it's now. It's in a loving yeah. I just want to say, I want to, I, I want to say this because, like, I can tell, like, she gets a little weird around guys. But she I'm thinks are attractive. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. But I think it's hilarious that you put your sweater on inside out and backwards, <laughs> oh, and that yeah. the tag is right there, and you've been sitting here in front of this guy the whole time. Because I told you, I'm like, I think he's so hot, but I don't. It's not like I'm freaking. Yeah, it's not. No, no, no. It's, it's, like, it. it's oh, like in a very friend way. Of course, you of know, course. Yeah. Yeah, like, I love to fuck my friends. I really Ew, do. Yeah, no, yeah. it's not like that at all. <laughs> anyway, not anyway, 1%. anyway. Not to make it, this Mara's weird. Adorable. I think it's funny. I love, love Mary. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, don't rip that off. Right? She's trying to rip that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a mess. And so you created your own. Yeah, you create your own. I had already been producing comedy shows. It's just that, okay, let me figure out. Because I started to get into, like, um, after doing Wild and Out, I, I really got into like development mode, mm-hmm. like developing my own shit. So after having that incident, it was, that was like the last straw. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to produce my own empire. Wow. Good for you. Create that show. environment. Now you're the person someone's messaging like, I will work for you. Yep. You know, you're like, f- no, you won't. No, you know, you won't. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. <laughs> when Stabby Steve <laughs> when tells <an> you, <laughs> you better send that knife right away. <laughs> Send me that skin. <laughs> um, but no, but so so my co-producer, um, he works at CBS. And, um, you know, we kind of like started producing this show together. So now it's in development. We're having a development and we're setting up to pitch it. So and it's so funny that when, once I left um, the Flappers Comedy um, improv team, probably like more than half of them left and, really? and came over to. Like, nice. hey, hey, can I come over? And because it's, I feel like if you lead with like love, yeah, and just like happiness, there's no pressure. Like we used to, like we used to have to meet every Monday after our long guys fucking day. We had to meet at like seven thirty, eight o'clock, and people are just dragging in like, yeah, 
Yes, and yeah, yeah. Monday is tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it got to the point where I wouldn't do it every month. I would just do it every other month, and I'd be like, "Hey guys, this is the date. We're gonna hang out. We're gonna, you know, drink a little bit, and we're just gonna play improv games." Nice. And then I would cast off of that. Huh. I would cast off of that, and then when we have the show. It's just nothing but craziness. Yeah. Sometimes we're up there with like a, you know, listen, I'm from Louisiana. I would do my show and you would have these like nerdy improvers coming to say, I want to see what this is about. <laughs> That's more than two black guys that's in this show. <laughs> and it's really diverse. But and I you're would, like Hamlet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Hamlet. It's all Hamlet related. <laughs> but I would come in there. I would come in there like I would set the tone and I would say, hey, listen, this is a diverse group. We have fun. I would pull out a Hennessy bottle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every I pass the bottle around. You got and you got these like nerdy white guys that's on a that's yeah. that's in there, whatever. Like that was once part of like another style of like improv. Yeah. And it just opens that shit up. That's like, amazing. Opens that shit up. And I love it because you get to bring in if you are a guy who loves Star Trek. If you were that guy, you get to be in the scene with a guy who was a, who just loved football. Yeah. And that's all he knows. And like, let's see this work. Let's see this scene work together. Right. Yeah. You know, um, we got a, uh, my guy, she's uh, Ashish Patel. He's from, uh, he's from India. Um, culturally, that's his, you know, that's his background, but he also has his experience. And he's like, a, he calls himself, a, he grew up in Texas too, half of the time. So he kind of like, if you hear him talk when you close his eyes, like a country, <laughs> country, Indian, country, <laughs> Indian guy. <laughs> and you would see him on a stage with, um, another improv with Bethany, who's like a great, uh, you know, theater background and, you know, funny stand-up comedian, did stuff with Robin Williams, and you have those two wow. on the stage. So you have so these, cool. these different yeah. uh, backgrounds of people, and the audience looks at that, and they're like, I've never seen anything wow. like this before. And it just kind of caught on. That's so exciting. It really is. You know, so. so. So what are you working on next? Like, what is... What is the next thing for you that you're really aiming on? Is and, it the screenplay? Yeah, I was going to say, Wild and Out, is it like in currently in production or what's the... They, ju they just finished. They just finished. So just you're finished. like on a break yeah, with that yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but my next thing is I have to compartmentalize everything because yeah. I'm very... Um, I try not to be too much, but I'm very like strategic with certain things. Energy-wise, just for my, my you know mental health, um, now that that's done... I'm focusing on producing these shows, but I never, I used to produce a lot of comedy shows. I used to produce a lot and it got to the point where it was like quantity over quality. Right. You know, yeah. You know, LA is kind of like, you gotta bring your show. You know, you gotta bring five, five people to perform and stuff. Right. And uh, one of the co-producers that kind of was like teaching me this, I didn't like that because they were more so about the money. Uh, sure, of course. You know, and and I get it, but then yeah. also I would hear other things like, "Oh, you're going, oh, you're going to, you you helping that, you're doing a show with that person." Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna come because it was like a whole bunch of terrible comedians with a hundred people in the audience, and it's like people start walking out, right? Because damn, I gotta right. sit through this shit. Yeah. So me, my thing is, if I do anything, it has to have a bigger reason behind it. So these two shows that I'm working on are also shows that I'm developing. That me and my partner are working on. He works at CBS. Um, we write at CBS. We kind of, we kind of. I don't want to say we we don't really sneak in there. That, that, <laughs> that, that'd be a cool story to say we sneak in CBS. And, <laughs> but we started a writers' room in CBS, so we go to CBS and we go work in, uh, in the bungalows and stuff. So cool. And we use that space. It's the energy of CBS. We use that space to write, but we also put our shows in development and we take it seriously and we 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 put our pitch decks together. 
and we have our list of like who we're going to meet with and pitch these ideas to. So even that show. That's very intentional. Yeah, I like that. Have to be. Like I said, I have to have those goals um, in order for me to be able to kind of like know where I'm going. You do you know? wake up and just do like 300 pull ups or something? <laughs> I can picture you have a weird morning routine. <laughs> I can picture you waking up on the car right up here. Oh, please don't make the ba 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 song. No, I can't. I can't because I'm going to have to like get a beverage and pour it on you. I really don't want to pour a beverage on you. Don't Love make it. me. Um, but on the right up here, Bo and I were talking about The Rock and like how we The Rock sleeps like four hours a, a night or whatever and then just gets up and gets at it. Is that, do you have? that kind of like health regimen going on or mm, i mean i i try to work out but not in the morning though but you know the thing that i do which is going back to like um i do affirmations yes i do a lot of those do you do them in the tense where it's like you've already got it or like you will get it i've already got it you've already, yeah i and then it's like you already feel the feeling of when it happens it. and then then your brain is like okay we're in motion because it goes back to what i was saying about um with wilding out like I would have the shit on my screensaver. I would have this shit like everywhere. SNL, Wildin' Out, I, whatever it was that I wanted. I started to synchronize this stuff. It started to synchronize. And that's why I said like. This is the secret sauce right here, people. Uh, yeah. I mean, it works for me. That's what I said. Like even when I sent that message, I screwed up with the whole CBS thing and, and not sending my resume. It was on my mind so much. Every day when I woke up, I start like I said, I started rubbing elbows with these people. Uh huh. You know that you know one of one of now Evans's good friends named Mitch Marchand who wrote for um, the Marlon Show. Um, really good friends, best friends with Marlon Wayans. Um, I remember doing a show at the Dime. I did not know that they were friends or whatever. I remember doing this joke about uh, Donald Trump, and um, I remember saying something like, "I don't understand like why uh, you know racist white people." why they were so um, upset and ready to get Barack Obama out of office, you know? And I said, like, yeah, so Barack Obama was the first black president, but um, Donald Trump was the first nigga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my and gosh, that's funny. Everybody was, like, everybody was, like, laughing. Yeah. But the first time, it was, like, the first or second time that I did that joke, um, my delivery wasn't the best. Uh-huh. I go to the bathroom and I come out and this guy was like, "Hey, I'm gonna talk to you about that joke that you had." He was like, hey, it was real funny, but let me tell you, he's he's from New York. He's like, "Let me tell you, like that joke, you know, if you kind of do this and do that really? or whatever." Yeah, and I didn't know how, how good. I mean, that's that's really nice, right? I did not know who he was. Yeah, good friends with Omar Epps. Good friends with now Evans. Wow. You know, Marlon Wayans, and he pulled me over and we talked a little bit outside or whatever, and then we exchanged information order. He kind of became like. Like another like mentor, yeah. In the sense, and like you know, he wrote for the Oscars and like, I think wow. the Grammys and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I want to do that one day. Let me see what it takes for me to yeah. put that on my you know yes. list of things to do. So I started affirming these things, and it started kind of becoming my world, you know, of things. So yeah, so when I go to bed at night, <laughs> I do these sleep affirmations. It's like close your eyes. <laughs> You are worthy. <laughs> <laughs> shit like shit like that. And I wake up in the morning and I feel like, you know what? I am worthy. Because it gets like it becomes the tape that you play over it and over. It becomes the tape that you play over and over. Now, you got to be careful, though, with some of these because I don't YouTube. Because one time I was listening to one and it was like, you are going to be successful. And all of a sudden the commercial come on. Have you ever wanted to get... <laughs> 
Stamps.com. Stamps.com. Yeah, StubHub. Get your tickets right now. <laughs> and you wake up the next day and you're just like, I need stamps. I need stamps. <laughs> you're woken up in the morning like, See, uh, and this is a whole. I'm this a is, successful ticket seller when I grow up. This is for our next show, but I am so paranoid <laughs> that I'm worried that Met, that apps like Headspace and stuff are created by like the government to like really screw us up and there's subliminal things in there. <laughs> oh, girl, that's a whole nother I know. Because okay, okay, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'll be on it. I'll be on it. You'll be on, you be up in it? <laughs> nah, I'll be on it. You fucks. Okay. You fucks. Well, Listen, is, we'll have more want, episodes with Jeremy. I am so excited to see the next thing that you're about to do in your life. Tell people where they can come see you now. Uh, as far as stand-up wise, or, or just, just your Instagram, how do people take classes from you, hang out with you? Yeah, so stuff. follow my Instagram. It's uh, Hey It's Gumbo, H E Y I T S G U M B O. Um, I put most of my stuff that's you know that's on there, whether it's shows. Um, I teach improv classes, so I usually put like the dates that those are coming around. Um, yeah. You can follow, find everything that's on there. Cool. You're awesome. Yeah, man. Thank y'all so much. Thank yeah, we, you. We love you. Love oh, wait, wait, wait. One more thing. Damn it. Yo. I was hoping that you would set up yeah. and use that. I'm going to use that. Hey, Bye. yo. All right. We'll see you later. We love you, Jimmy. Love y'all too. Peace. Wasn't that fun? Isn't Jeremy awesome? Hold on. <laughs> now Bo's like doodling pictures of him. <laughs> You're changing your name to like Bo Jeremy Christian. Dude, I love that guy. He's great. Me too. That's one thing I can say about you. Whenever you introduce me to somebody, except for that one person you introduced me to that one time, you'll right. have to figure out who I know that, who that is. is. Yeah. Uh, everyone has been great. Thank you. Just really great. I love people yeah, that, that I like. Yeah, the people that Jeremy's I don't awesome. like. And we had some really great conversation even after we were recording. Um, I was like, oh, we should have been recording this part, too. I know. But like, you know, couldn't do it. I so. loved his story in that, like, opportunities really never are completely, completely over. You know, right. I love that kind of story. I like that he was super, you know, just kept going. No doesn't mean kept no, unless it. it means sexually. Then yes. Yes. It means no. Yes. It means yes and also no. It means yes and no. <laughs> okay, but we're in Studio City. I think we should go rouse some rebels. Rouse some rebels? Yeah. Some rebel rousing? Let's go drive around and... Let's drive around. Yeah, I, let's I'm, stop I'm down. At like a Starbucks or like a let's TJ do it, Friday's. Let's do or like a drive by or something. Yeah. Let's be authentic. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Dunkin' Donuts. To? Yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, I'm yeah. Yeah, no Starbucks. Okay, thank you, thank Jeremy. This episode of Campfire Shit Show was produced by Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. It was edited by Bo Hufford, and the theme song was composed and sang by your friendly camp director, me, PB and J. If you've got a question or you want to be the next camper of the week. Email us at campfireshitshow at gmail.com. Say hi to Bo and Merrill on Instagram at campfireshitshow. And please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Well, kids, it's time to pack up the camp and put out the fire. But don't you worry. We'll see you soon on another episode of the Campfire Shit Show. <laughs>